have a blessed hour coming up. You know, I don't want to um, make uh, out anyone to be better than the other, but sometimes you save the best for last, you know. So, um, uh, Alan, I have a word for you, brother. All right. Um, and, and it's from the humor of the Father's heart. Thy, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort thee. Hallelujah. <laughs> well, for those of you, there it is. For those of you who don't know Alan yet, Alan is one of the main leaders really carrying this burden for uh, to reverse uh, uh, the uh, abortion laws in the United States. And uh, we just bless you, brother. You're just uh, just heralding this issue. You um, um, you are the man for the job. And we we just so appreciate you and just want to encourage anyone, you know, um, if if you want to sow into ministry, this is a very significant place that you may want to sow into. And and uh, interestingly enough, I was on the phone with Greg the other day, and he mentioned to me that we are just about, or the Supreme Court is just about to hear uh, a, a case that's connected to uh, re, uh, pos the possible re reversing of Roe versus Wade. And here we are with a liberal White House, a liberal government, and we're about to go to the Supreme Court. So we need a, a lot of prayer and intercession here to support what Alan's about to share with us. So no, um, 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 don't want to steal your thunder, Alan. I want to hand over to you, brother, and hope to see you soon. I don't know, uh, hope to see you in Texas, if that's possible. Bless you, in Shua's name. Amen, amen, amen. Well, thank you, everybody. This is my rod of justice that the Lord has given to me. Uh, through a place called the Glory of Zion and a ministry that a woman has there. She takes Texas cedar wood, turns it into staffs, prays over it for about eight hours, rubbing it with oil and smoothing it and praying in the spirit about eight hours. So uh, I, again, I, I didn't really seek these things out. They come. I'm a servant of the Lord. I am a lawyer. Though today I'm not really dressed like it. I'm going to show you my shirt. I've got uh, Lord Sweep Over San Antonio. That was one of the 10 days events that we did in one of our 10 days of San Antonio. I think we were the second year maybe that this happened. We've joined it. We've done it ever since. And uh, so I welcome all of my 10 days brothers and sisters. And I'm going to talk the broad theme of all the teaching has been the Lord's return, repentance, preparation of the bride. And today I'm particularly going to talk about a little narrower part of that, but a part of it, abortion, judgment, and the end times. Abortion, judgment, and the end times. And it is amazing that as part of our 10 days of Pentecost, on this very past Monday, May 17th, which was the day of Shavuot or Pentecost on the Jewish calendar, the Supreme Court of the United States announced to the world through a document they filed uh, that they are going to take the Mississippi ban on late-term abortions and decide whether or not the state can ban late-term abortions. So that was released on Shavuot during these 10 days of prayer. 
I'm going to talk about that a little bit. I'm going to talk about abortion. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. Uh, it's one of the four great sins that can bring national destruction, starting with forsaking God, which America has done through the Supreme Court in 1962. Second is shedding innocent blood, which the Supreme Court did in 1973. Third is sexual immorality on a vast scale, which the Supreme Court of our country, the United States, has done through promoting obscenity, protecting strip clubs as a form of free expression instead of allowing governments to shut them down. And then the fourth is greed, which is not so much the Supreme Court's problem, but all of America's problem. So those four great sins can lead to national destruction. And in fact, I'm here and have sent out press releases to America warning, if we do not repent, our nation will be judged. And that's true for nations, and it's true for individuals. If you do not repent, God will judge. Jesus Christ, who paid the penalty for our sin, he satisfied God's justice. There must be the shedding of sin, and there must be a penalty for sin. There must be. We want justice in the world. Everyone has a desire for justice. But the world's problem today is they cannot tell the difference between good and evil. Where do we find the good difference between good and evil? In God's word, in his book. We must study it and we must follow it. And then we must have the Holy Spirit empowering us through becoming born again by repenting. Ask the Lord Jesus into our hearts. Uh, and then the Holy Spirit teaches us what's in the word, and the veil is taken away from our eyes. We can understand God's word. So, and we're coming into the end days. We all need to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. Not everyone is an evangelist who'll see many coming, but all of us, he said to all his disciples, you will be my witnesses. So you're either a good witness for Jesus Christ or a bad witness for Jesus Christ. That's what we've got to remember. So again, I'm going to be talking about abortion, judgment, and the end times. And this is for mature believers. This is the meat of the word. Uh, God is love, and he'll forgive you for your sins and salvation. Those are the elementary things. I'm assuming you know them, though I've already covered them in the first part because they're critical. They're elementary. They're essential to Christianity. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he said, this gospel will be preached over the whole world for the repentance of sins. Repentance is critical to Christianity. If someone says they're Christian and there's no repentance in Christianity, that is not Christianity. Jesus Christ himself, the son of the judge, said, oh, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup this judgment pass from me, this death that you're asking me to give. Surely there's some other way. And God, who is a just judge, who didn't even listen to the pleas of his own son to change the rules, to bend them, he said, no, this is the only way. And thus Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done. Because this is justice and it has to be satisfied. And you wouldn't want to live in a world 
that was completely lawless. We're moving into lawless times in the end times. You're seeing it. I witnessed a robbery in broad daylight about a mile from my home at a Home Depot just last week, maybe two or three days ago right now. I was walking to my car with the stuff I'd pay for. Someone came running out of the the store with running out of the store with big boxes and there was yelling and screaming and I looked around what's going on what's going on eventually I kind of found out wow I think they're stealing that stuff because they were running to their car someone was chasing them came with about six feet of me I had my hand I had a cart full of stuff and I didn't have a weapon and I I just debated, what do I do? Well, I don't see anybody's life in danger. I probably wouldn't do anything. And the store clerks were calling us, chasing them. And they took pictures of the car. And the guy said, God loves you, but don't ever come back to this store again. We've got your number. And, you know, it's an interesting dichotomy between love and justice right there. The, the man was obviously a Christian who worked for the store. I don't know him, but he said, God loves you. We want that message to be known, but you can't steal stuff. There has to be a penalty. If someone killed your mother, would you want justice to be done? Yes. And yet we're living in a culture where no one wants punishment. No one wants justice. So we're going to talk about that today. Now I'm going to pray first because part of the judgment of the Lord is God will judge us for every careless word we say. That Jesus said that in the judgment, you'll be judged. So, Lord, I don't want any careless words coming out of my mouth. And in the book of uh, uh, the, the, old, the New Testament also says, let not many of you become teachers, lest you incur a stricter judgment. And so right now I'm in a teaching role. So I have a fear of God's judgment and I'm going to pray. Father, let me only speak the words of God and the truth in love. Put a guard on my mouth, O oh Lord. Let me not just give my opinions out willy-nilly. I want to speak the word of the Lord, speak as an oracle of God, and help everyone here to have ears to hear what is the truth, what's inspired by the Spirit and comes from you. And let us let anything I say that's not true just fall to the ground. Don't let it hurt anybody. And give everyone here the willingness to study the word of God, even as to what I say, if it's true or not, because you have not left us uh, without the word. It's not far away. The Bible is in, can be in everyone's home. It's on everybody's phone if they'll go to Bible Gateway or version or something. We have the word easily available. So teach us by your spirit to know the truth and follow it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, some good news first. Uh, I've already mentioned it. The Supreme Court's taken an abortion case in the middle of 10 days as we were seeking God. He said, I am going to end the covenant with death, the agreement with the grave. That's Isaiah 28, 14 to 22. If you're taking down notes, Isaiah 28, 14 to 22. The Lord gave me that scripture on uh, the day of Pentecost. Well, when he told us to collect women's testimonies and go back to the court to uh, uh, um, to basically um, have us um, collect women's testimonies and go back to the court. So uh, we have we have done that. We now have over four thousand six hundred and sixty 
legally admissible written testimonies about how abortion hurts women. I also represent legally, I'm the lawyer for the moral outcry petition. Grant talked about that a bit in my introduction. The moral outcry petition is a petition that you can sign Go to themoraloutcry.com or Google the moral outcry. If somebody could put that in the chat room for me, that'd be helpful. I can't do that both and talk. I can't do much at one time. But if you can put themoraloutcry.com in the chat room, everybody will have that. And you can sign the petition to the Supreme Court. If you sign it between now and June 15th, your name will be in our next brief at the Supreme Court, which is due July 8th. So that's where we're going to have your name by the 15th. So we can put it in the brief and you are, your name will be recorded before heaven and earth. Malachi and Zechariah talk about books that are recorded in heaven of those who fear God and seek to do righteousness. And when you do that, you're telling the Supreme Court abortion is a crime against humanity. And of course, God, but we call it a crime against humanity. That's the legal term. When the government withdraws legal protection from a class of human beings. All right. And uh, this case, God's hand has been all over it. So a crime against humanity. New evidence shows life begins at conception. We're saying abortion hurts women. If you've had an abortion, you can go to our website at thejusticefoundation.org. Somebody could put that in the chat room for me who knows how to do that. Thejusticefoundation.org. Somebody's already got it up. Amen. Uh, if you go there, you can also sign the moral outcry petition there. If you've had an abortion, you can give us your abortion story. We'll protect your identity, and then we'll have more testimonies at court. And if you want to be a recruiter for the moral outcry, there's a recruiter toolkit. Because right now, by God's grace, during this 10 days that you all have been praying, we collected, we hit a, a major milestone we are now over half a million signatures, over 500,000 signatures. And each signature under the law of judicial precedent is um, evidenced by itself for overturning a Supreme Court decision. So this is not just something asking the Supreme Court to change their mind. You're creating evidence. And that's a miracle of God. In the Isaiah 28 passage, you'll hear several things. He said, God is going to end the covenant with death, the agreement with the grave. He tells the unrighteous judges that it'll be sheer terror to understand this message. And this case got to the Supreme Court, um, the Mississippi case we're talking about, got to the Supreme Court on March 14th of 2020. And it was there for 14 months before this breakthrough. That is highly unusual. I'm licensed to practice before the Supreme Court. That's where most of my legal work is done. And uh, so it got there on March 14th. Well, here's some key dates that show the hand of God on this. Number first is March 3rd of 2020 was the 50th anniversary of the Roe v. Wade filing in the trial court in 1970. So Roe v. Wade, the abortion decision, started on March 3rd, 1970. Well, so that was the 50th anniversary. We're in the Jubilee year as a result. 
on March 4th of last year, the first day of the Jubilee year, the Supreme Court heard the Louisiana abortion case. And in that case, the moral outcry brief and uh, uh, 2000, over 4,000 women uh, who'd had abortions asked the Supreme Court to reverse its case. And that was the Louisiana Hospital Admitting Privileges case, if you've heard about that. I'm not going to go into the detail. But on that day, the day, first day of the new year, they heard oral arguments. The next day on March 5th, they took a private in-status conference decision. And we now know that it probably came out 4-1-4. The Supreme Court is right on the course. There were four liberals, but one of them has died, Justice Ginsburg, on Rosh Hashanah. Only God could determine when she died. We pray for the salvation. We pray for an end to the wickedness of people. The Bible says God hates wickedness, and I hope I'm going to get to that in the book of Revelation today. God hates wickedness. We are supposed to hate evil. Keep in mind, we love evil people. We pray for their salvation until the moment that they die, because they can turn at the last minute. It's appointed for man to die once, and then comes judgment. That's the word of God. There's no reincarnation. That's the argument against, that's the proof there's no reincarnation. God says it's appointed to die once and then comes judgment. But until you die, you get many chances from the Lord to repent. But after that, there's none. So what happened? They did not reverse abortion. And the next week, the overwhelming scourge of a pestilence shut down the Supreme Court from that day until this very moment. There's been no oral arguments in person. No person of the public has been allowed. We were praying frequently in the court. No non-employee has been allowed in the court, basically, since that day. And even now, though they've all been vaccinated, and we finally have a picture of them, they're, I don't think they're really meeting often together. They mostly meet by Zoom. All right, so that happened. Then uh, March 14th, this Mississippi case got there. And the, most of the time, the case gets there. It's set for a status conference. They get about eight or 9,000 of these applications a year, and they take 80 or 90 cases. So you have a 99% case chance that the Supreme Court say, no, we're not going to hear your case. Instead, this case was hurt. So 99% of the time, it gets there. It's heard once. No. Cert denied, we're not hearing your case. This case was heard 22 or more times and set for reconsideration repeatedly, repeatedly. The first time was it was supposed to be there September 29th. That was after the September 18th death of uh, Justice Ginsburg, a strong abortion proponent on September 18th of last year on a Jewish holiday. And then September 26th, uh, Amy Coney Barrett was nominated during the return on Washington Mall. I was on the mall. And on, at the five o'clock on that day, as the shofars blew at the return, she was nominated shortly, short distance away at the other end of the ellipse on the White House lawns as the Supreme Court. And God, that, that scripture, Isaiah 20, I had to give you earlier, God says, uh, 
He's going to do it. He's the master of breakthroughs. That's Baal Perazim. He's going to do his amazing, extraordinary, unusual thing. And so first he had to change the nature of the home of the court. And we've seen O'Connor removed, a strong abortion proponent. We've seen Kennedy removed, both of them, even before they died. And then Justice Ginsburg was removed by death. So God can remove people either gently or by death. It's God who determines how long people live. And partly, anyway, the Bible says you're given many opportunities to repent. If you don't do it, then the Lord uh, will... Uh, he said, he hard, if you harden your neck too many times, the Lord will break your neck. And that may be by hard circumstances. I'm an evangelist. I've often prayed, Lord, bring troubling circumstances to someone. If, if that's what they need to bring salvation to them, let, let them uh, suffer hardship. Better to be a little bit of hardship in this life than to spend eternity in hell. And Jesus talked about hell. We need to be talking about hell. Jesus is coming back. All right, I'm going to kind of go, I could talk for another 30 minutes on all the hand of God miracles on this case. So what's going to happen now? The briefing is occurring right now. Our brief is due. There's about 100 days of briefing. The Our side, meaning the pro-life side, is briefing right now. There'll probably be 30 to 50 briefs on each side of the case. It will be heard in the oral arguments in the fall, and then there'll be a decision out by June of next year. You have to pray from the moment of oral. We need to pray until the decision comes out. And here's three ways to pray. Number one, pray against the plans of the enemy. Their plan is court packing. Okay, if we have a majority, then they'll just put four more people on the court who are committed to abortion. Their other plan is passing a federal law protecting abortion which would wipe out every state law. That's called the codification of Roe. Pray that the enemy's plans will be thwarted by God, just as Pharaoh's plan to destroy the Israelites at the Dead Sea was thwarted. And so then pray for the defenders of life. Pray for the attorney generals. The Mississippi case could be phase one. It just bans late-term abortions. There's a bunch of heartbeat bills that ban abortions when there's a heartbeat at about six weeks. And there is the moral outcry bill from Arkansas based on the moral outcry, which bans all abortions from the moment of conception based on the moral outcry reasons. So pray for the defenders of life, including the, Ju the Justice Foundation who are defending these laws. Pray for confusion in the enemy's camps, pray for provision, protection, et cetera, for God's people, and then third, of course, pray for the Supreme Court itself for the removal of the wicked or changing their hearts, whatever is necessary to stop wickedness. We do not want to bless wickedness. We want to pray for our enemies, pray for their salvations. The greatest blessing we can pray for someone who doesn't know the Lord and therefore would be going to hell is salvation. Pray for salvation for those that don't know them. Bless them with salvation. But we pray against wicked deeds. All right, now I'm going to go to the book of Revelation. Oh, gosh. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm looking at my time. Here's what you need to pray. The book of Revelation has seven letters to the new churches in the, in the New Testament. And this is the revelation 
of God himself. As you prepare for the end times, read this book of Revelation. And the first message, the church to Ephesus, God says, I have this against you, that you've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and repent and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place unless you repent. This was a New Testament spirit-filled church. Obviously, he's saying, I will remove your lampstand. You don't want that happening to you or your church. The message to stern it. Sperna, do not fear what you're about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about cast about to some of you into prison, that you may be tested, and you'll have tribulation for 10 days. I think it's interesting that we're doing 10 days of praying. Be faithful until death. I'll give you the crown of life. Okay. Now, the message, of, so he didn't really tell that church to repent. Two out of seven didn't have to repent. Five out of seven did. Pergamon. I have these things against you. You have some of there who hold the teaching of Balaam. They eat things sacrificed to idols and commit acts of immorality. In the end times, immorality will flourish. Think of all the immorality being promoted. Babylon, the whore, and her sorceries and immoralities are being promoted everywhere. That's a sign of the end times, but it's even in the church. Therefore, repent, he's telling his church. If I'm coming against quickly, I'll make war against them with the sword of my mouth. I ask churches, do you think God would make war against his own church? Yes, if they have the sin of immorality in their church. That's the word of God. There's the evidence of it. It's not me. It's God and Jesus revealing it to his church. And here's one about sickness. I'm going to come to an end soon. This is the church of Thyatira. I gave her time to repent. And what is it you're repenting of? That they commit acts of immorality in the church. Are people shacking up together? That's immorality. And it's prevalent. Are they committing adultery? That's prevalent. Are they watching pornography? Those are all sins. Yes, that's prevalent. It's all immorality. None of that is a sin that's worthy of death and or the unforgivable sin, but you have to repent of it or God's going to judge you. Here's what he was going to do to his church there. Uh, I gave her time to repent and she doesn't want to repent. Behold, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her deeds. Does Jesus want to put people sick? No, but he will in the New Testament. If you take communion in an unworthy manner, you bring sickness into your body, even unto death. He gives you time to repent, repent, repent. And I will kill her children with pestilence. Have people in the church died? And I'm not, I'm not accusing everyone who dies or is sick of committing this sin, but you also can't say, well, if you're sick, it can't be a judgment of God. It can. When people say, is this a judgment on me? I say, well, have you done anything to deserve judgment? And if they say, yeah, I have, then I say, repent, repent. I don't know what you've done. I'm not accusing you of sickness, but the, God sent this letter to the church for the end times and for that church. And, and some people say, God will never allow sickness in a person. Jesus says, I will cast her upon a bed of sickness. Those are the words of Jesus. So listen to the words of Jesus. Message to Sardis, 
remember therefore what you've received and heard, keep it and repent. If you don't wake up, I'll come to you like a thief at the night and you don't even know when I come to you. That's Jesus warning his own church. And the last one, I'll close with this. This is the, bir- this is the word to Laodicea, the lukewarm church, which probably is a prevalent sin somewhat in America. I have lukewarmness sometimes. Sometimes I'm burning for the Lord and the fire is in me. And other times I'm, well, you know, maybe I'll just watch this movie. I'm tired. So we, we've got to avoid lukewarmness. I'll, you're, I'll spit you out of my mouth. Therefore, those whom I love, said Jesus, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him. So repentance is the key to having God continually dwell in your heart. And don't grieve the Holy Spirit. When you commit sins of immorality and lust and greed, it grieves the Holy Spirit. It quenches the Holy Spirit. The way to have the fire of the Holy Spirit is to repent frequently, often, as often as you sin. Even 1 John says, therefore, confess your sins and be faithful. He then will be faithful and just to forgive you because Jesus died on the cross. The penalty, the judgment will be borne by him for your sin if you say, I'm sorry. And if you need Jesus in your heart today, he's coming back soon to judge the earth, the living and the dead. And we're going to see mighty judgments on the earth like on Pharaoh and the Egyptians. Read the book of Revelations. Don't change it in any way. There's a blessing for reading it, but be careful about removing or taking anything away or softening the word of the book of Revelation. Be careful lest you become a teacher. I hope if I haven't said anything wrong, Father, I ask you to bless those who've heard the word according to the book of Revelation. It says those who heard it and don't change it will be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you want to sign the Moral Outcry Petition, the best way to do everything I've talked about is go to the justicefoundation.org. That's where the Moral Outcry can be signed, the Operation Outcry be signed, and you can stop forced abortion there too. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Grant. And uh, thank all of you for praying, praying, praying from now to June for the Supreme Court in this decision. Thank you all. Thank you.